Hello, and welcome to I Swear I'm Not Crazy, the B2B creative podcast. I'm Mike Ruby here with John Battistini. Uh, we're two dudes who've spent two decades convincing B2B marketers that we are not insane when we propose big creative ideas to drive their brands and business forward. John, hey, look at us, huh? Who'd have yeah. thought? Uh, I guess. <laughs> it's a little crazy, right? I mean, we're still here. Somehow we've still, uh, still made it through all this. I mean, and we've known each other now going on, what, 15, 16 years? Something like that. That's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been quite a while. I mean, we were just saying that very first big project we did together was got to be 15 years ago or so. Yeah. And that was, that was pre-children. And you just told me that your son is almost of driving age. Yeah, it was pre-children. It was a couple years pre-children. Yes, for both of us. A little crazy. A little crazy. Now we're on separate coasts. We've 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 moved on, but still kind of stayed in touch. Yeah. And so here we are doing a podcast of all things. Something that didn't exist when we first met, the whole concept of a podcast. No, no. I think back then they called it something like radio. Yeah. Yeah. It would be radio. It would come out over the airwaves. There weren't satellites. It was a whole thing. Yeah. It was a thing. Um, so why are we doing this? I think that's uh, probably a good place to start off is uh, tell yeah. our, our listeners, uh, ho- hopefully that will be growing over time when they hear this. Yeah. You, mean, um, you mean tell our moms why we're doing this? Because those are the only two people listening at this point. Th- that would assume that my mom knows how to find the podcast app. Fair she point. cries just fair trying point. to plug in the telephone. So yeah, fair point. Uh, um, why, why are we doing this? Why, well, why are we doing this? Why do we do what we do? That's a really good question. Well, you know, I, I think it comes back to something we, we, we've talked about quite a lot, which is that there's so much that's been written and said about advertising and marketing creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a couple of B2B lifers like us, uh, you know, there's, there's not very little that's talked about on the subject of business to business creative. No. And, you know, Despite the bad rap that B2B often gets, um, you know, I think both of us know, and, and really everyone knows if they're not realizing it, that B2B creative is really thrilling. It can be really fun, um, and perhaps more so than some elements of consumer advertising, it really has the power to impact culture and commerce. And so uh, for you, our dear listeners, that's what this podcast is going to be all about. We're going to explore the world of B2B creativity. And so... We're going to share some experiences. We're going to have some awesome guests who come from incredible agencies and in-house creative teams. And uh, if you can't tell already, we like to keep it light. So hopefully we'll have a few laughs and maybe learn a thing or two along the way. So did I get that about right, John? I think so. I think so. And I think it's important to say, you know, we're, we're both in the B2B industry and we we're both, you know, creatives and at our respective agencies, but you know, when it comes down to creativity is creativity. So, I mean, I know we're going to concentrate on B2B creative, but we've both also done plenty of B2C creativity and, uh, and work. And, and I think sometimes I, I just want to make that clear that that's the focus of this, but you know, I mean, creativity is creativity. You know what I mean? So I think that's just something to keep in mind as you listen to what we're, what we're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think something that also begs the question is, uh, why should the people listen to us? You know, that's what, a really good question. Yeah, I mean, heaven knows my children don't listen to me, yeah. but um, yeah, no, I even think, even the like audio, like Alexa doesn't even listen to me. I've noticed now in the house, she's learned from everybody else. Yeah, just careful not to say that too loud. You'll trigger my uh, yeah, you'll trigger, trigger half the devices in my room. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. Well, you know, like like we said, uh, you know, and not not to gloat, but we've been doing this for going on two decades and at a pretty high level for some time, and. Somehow we keep convincing people to pay us to do this. So, you know, there's, uh, again, hey, look at us, huh? Who'd have thought? I know. Uh, it's a little crazy, man. And, and I'll be honest, who also thought that, like, you know, when it started, that there would be this kind of viability within B2B as a space, that it would become what it is. I mean, at the time, I think when we both started, we, were we even calling it B2B? It was like, no, it was like enterprise software. Or it was like, oh, I sell to companies. You know what I mean? It was corporate. Um, but it really has become a thing. The same way when we first started, like nobody worked in pharma. Now pharma is like the biggest category. So I think, you know, B2B has had its renaissance and now it's just, it is an established place to be. And, you know, look at us. We've survived and we've kind of thrived, I would even say. I mean, you know, here we are. Here we are. So how, how did, uh, well, this will be the subject for a future podcast, but yeah. in short, uh, you know, how did, how did you get here? You know, tell us, 
tell us in brief, you know, what's a little bit about your background and uh, what are you doing these days in the world of B2B creative? Uh, I am the chief creative officer at a B2B agency based out of San Diego called BOL. Uh, we do a lot of work uh, in the tech space and in industrial um, education type stuff as well. So it's pretty cool. I like it. You know, a lot of digital. I mean, these days is anything not digital. I mean, we'll talk about that on another podcast too. Like, why do you have digital if everything's digital? So we won't even go there. But, um, I, you know, I started doing this. I'm a little older than you. So I started this earlier, but not that much earlier in B2B without even knowing it was B2B. Because I thought about that recently when I was trying to do the math. When we talked about this podcast, say, how long have I been doing this? And I realized at my second job, we had clients who were a publisher. And the first thing we did were ads for other businesses to advertise in the magazines. That's technically B2B. You know, but except we didn't call it that, you know, but that's what it was. So, you know, I, I did that, but I started life as an art director, really started life in a studio and very early in my career when digital was on the rise, started as a digital art director and have never looked back. So, I mean, even though my age may uh, surprise you, I have been doing digital my entire career. What about nice. you, Mike? And how did you get here? How did I get, how did I get here? And by here, uh, we're both in our houses. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I've been doing this now going on 20 years. I'm like yourself, a chief creative officer at uh, an agency. We're called Retina. Um, we are global, but headquartered here in uh, the San Francisco Bay area. And Although I wouldn't say that we are solely B2B, we are definitely a B2B specialist agency. We, we have clients that cross um, uh, B2B, B2C, B2E, so education, B2G, that's government. Um, we do a lot of work with life sciences companies, technology and Internet of Things companies, uh, financial services, real estate, um, and then lots of other uh, really interesting and obscure categories of uh, of the world for things that, you know, are there every day and you don't realize them until somebody points them out to you, which is one of the reasons I love mm -hmm. what I get to do. Um, and prior to that, uh, I uh, started my career uh, where I met you at a, right. a, another B2B specialist agency um, in New York and quite literally started answering the telephones and worked my way from answering the telephones to doing strategy and creative to ultimately leading uh, creative, uh, creative and experience. And then spent two years client side, uh, running an in-house creative group at a, uh, a big startup here in San Francisco called Flexport. Um, they are revolutionizing the, the, the freight and shipping industry and then came back to the agency side, uh, to be doing what I'm doing now. Uh, and really feel very blessed and fortunate that I've been able to find work that I really enjoy and be creative and be a part of great teams who do remarkable things. And um, through it all, especially in the last two years with the pandemic, to be able to be staying working. So mm -hmm. I'm, uh, if, uh, if I sound like I feel very blessed, I do. And, and for those that are tuning in, you know, Mike and I have been friends for years, but also we were creative partners at that agency. So that's why we said, you know, let's do a podcast. We worked together for years. We were coming up with creative ideas together. So what if we talk about it? And, and that was kind of the onus, I think, for this first episode too, right, Mike? We were like, you know, we, we were like, how did we, you know, where did we begin? And not only where did we begin our careers, but where did we always begin our creative? If you want to uh, throw in our line that we always started with. Yeah, well, you know, I think you have mastered the segue even in our first episode that was pretty seamless thanks man i try you know once we get sponsors wait till you see my sponsorship segues so if anyone's out there i'm telling you i'm the master of the sponsorship segue let me know fantastic and so from there you know the uh let's start at the very beginning uh, yeah. a very, very good place to start as uh madam von trapp would say uh we wanted to start with what what defines great B2B creativity and how do we get to those ideas? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that it's, it's something the creative process. And as you said, it, 
it really feels like there's a lot of similarity, you know, no matter what you're doing in terms of how people approach it. But there are there are little nuances in B2B. And I think those are the things that we want to really spend a bit of time today um, touching on as well. Because they're, you know, for, for, for anybody who says that, you know, everything's exactly the same between B2B and B2C. It's I, not. It's not. Um, there's a lot, but there isn't everything. So, right. uh, so let's, let's dive right in with that. And I think that the, the place to, to start when we talk about creativity of any kind is the, the most important concept in, in advertising and marketing, which is the concept. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I think when, when we get into, when we get into thinking about how we develop ideas, um, you know, what exactly is a concept? You know, how would you define it? And I think that, you know, by the same token, you know, what's the difference between a concept and an idea? Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. I actually had this discussion with someone recently because we were looking at something and the team was working on something and they're like, oh, we've got a couple of concepts. And I'm like, awesome, let's talk about it. And they, they show me this stuff and it was like, it was this pretty cool, like visual treatment of this thing. And then there was another like pretty cool visual treatment thing. I'm like, awesome. What's the concept? And they're like, those are the two concepts. I'm like, no, those are two different looks. What is the concept? What is the thing that sits above it that explains what it is? What is the platform that it hangs its hat on? You know, is the concept like we are going to fly and then crash? Okay, maybe that's the concept. And it comes to life this way. I, I feel like, you know, they're, they're like a lot of people don't understand or confuse concepts and tactics, you know, and, and, you know, or think executions are concepts. And I feel like that's, you know, it's this amorphous thing that's out there, this conceptual thing of what is a concept. And I'm not going to sit here and try and define it. You're better with the words, Mike, you're the writer. You could probably define it, but it's like, what's the concept? What is that message? What is that story? What is this idea behind it? And not just, Hey, here's the benefit statement. Just turn it into a headline. That's not a concept. Yeah. I, I think the, to your, the distinction that you're starting to draw there with, you know, this is, this is just two different ways of looking at something, but right. not really having something that's, that's distinct there that you can hang your hat on. I, I think that gets to the core of it. So uh, I'm not going to take credit for writing either of these definitions. I, I can <laughs> I consulted the Googles, I consulted the Merriam-Webster's of the world, um, but there, there's a difference between coming up with an idea or a notion of something and having a fully formed concept that's usable. And and mm -hmm. so you know I, I think the the interesting distinction is that an idea is a thought or a suggestion about something that you could possibly do. Right. Right. So you know I I have an idea we can go for dinner. Cool. We can go out for dinner. That's an, that's an idea. I mean, we actually can't because you're in California and I'm in New York, but conceptually, that's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, but a concept is, you know, the idea or the mental picture of a bunch right. of things coming together and combining all of their, as all of their aspects. Mm -hmm. So like, so are you saying that like we could go out to dinner, but the concept is paradise under the sea? And we're going to go to dinner and celebrate at a fish restaurant because the concept is paradise under the sea. Well, that or we're going to go back in time to ensure that our parents actually meet and kiss so that we can be born. <laughs> I knew you'd pick up on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like, you're 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 really going to go to the fish under yeah. the sea dance. I'm, I'm going to. And I, I know that wasn't exactly it. So people can blow us up in the comments. The reference is wrong, whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, my pop culture references will be incorrect, but you'll still get them. Yes. Um, but that, but that's exactly right. You know, right. I, I think that the, the, the core of it, when when I'm speaking with my team about about creative concepts, I continually go back to them and say, what, but what is it? Right. Right. What not, 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 what does it look like? Not how clever is the headline? What is the core of this thing that is going to be able to support all of the work that we have to do that comes out of it? And so I, I, I have a little bit of a test that I do. And I say like, mm. if you can tell it, you can sell it. Mm -hmm. And I think the easiest way to be able to think about that is, and this is something, you know, you and I being big movie fans have always talked about is that there's, you can describe a movie typically in a sentence or a log mm -hmm. line. And that comes up with a concept. Yep. Like, like if I were to say to you, like, what is the matrix? Yeah. Well, uh, 
in one line. <laughs> um, uh, that is a good question. What, what would the concept of the matrix be? The concept for me of the matrix would be, uh, let's see, it would be about, I don't know what I, how I would describe the concept of the matrix. How would you describe it? That we are living in a world that is entirely a computer simulation. But are we? No. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> you know, um, I, I mean, I, for me, it's even like, I think it's even like bigger than that. You know, and yeah. it's kind of like the matrix to me, the concept behind the matrix was like an exploration on, you know, what is humanity? That's that works as well. Yeah. Uh, if I know. really were trying to be conceptual and the way yeah. it comes to life is we explore life within a virtual reality world that no one knows is, is there and that kind of stuff. But yeah. Yeah. I, I, you're right. That's the matrix was the execution. The concept was, you know, something bigger. Yeah. Sa same thing with like, I, I, I think the concept of toy story yeah. is a really easy one to be yep. able to, to wrap your head around. Oh, it's mm -hmm. that, it's that movie where we're exploring friendship yeah. by seeing the world of toys that come to life when right. people aren't around. Yeah. Um, or perhaps, and then as it goes along, it becomes about loss too. It's really sad. Oh my God, anyway. Toy Story is so oh good. Oh my Lord, um, Jesus. Or, you know, I, maybe maybe the greatest series of log lines and concepts ever has was the series of 90s action movies that all cloned Die Hard. Mm -hmm. so, it, it, you know, so there was Die Hard, which is someone in law enforcement is able to fight crime after he's found himself in the middle of a hostage situation in a building. And then there became, see if you can name them all that follow, Die Hard on a Bus. Yep, that was that was speed, wasn't it? Yep, die yep. hard on a boat. Oh, what was that one? Um, was that speed with Jason Patrick? Well, there is, speed, there, there is speed to There is speed too with Jason Patrick. Yeah, um, I was thinking under siege of Steven Seagal. Oh, that's right. I forgot about it. I thought I thought under siege was on a train. That's under siege too. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, all right. So I knew there was an under siege on a train. So there's, there's also like something on a plane too. Yeah. There so was... Die Hard on a plane is passenger 57 with Wesley yes, Snipes. Yes. Yes. For all of you who are here to listen about B2B marketing, you're also getting a crash course in uh... <laughs> John and Mike's <laughs> Netflix queue. <laughs> early, early 90s action films. Yeah. No, it's, 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 well, I mean, you know, someone asked me the other day how we figure something out in a, in a business meeting. And they were like, well, how do we settle this? And I'm like, oh, that's easy. It's like, I have a bowl of glass over there. Just dip your hands in the glue and we're going to fight it out. And they're like, is that a blood sport reference? I'm like, yes, it is. Technically that's a kickboxer reference. <laughs> oh, was John. that kickboxer? I couldn't remember where it came from. I just knew it was John claude Van Damme. That's yes. all that mattered. Jean-Claude Van Damme, who, has, as I'm sure we'll discuss in a future episode, is one of the rock stars of the all-time greatest B2B campaigns ever. Very true. Very true. Well, it always does start with ninjas, and he's practically a ninja, right, Mike? It does. Exactly. Exactly. So why, why is a big idea important? You know, we, we hear so much now about how technology is driving marketing and advertising and there's a lot of emphasis on speed and measurement mm -hmm. and micro experiments and data, uh, all of which are valid things to be, in, to be interpreted and to be used. But, you know, aside from justifying our way of life and, and how we make a living, um, you know, why, why do you think, big ideas and, and being creative, you know, especially in a B2B context is so incredibly important right now. Well, first of all, like you said, there's clutter everywhere you look and you need to cut through all that. And ideas are viral. And I don't mean that in like the social media sense. I mean, ideas get in your head, they live, they breathe, they become there. You know, it's, it's something that if you want to be memorable, you can't just be a tactic. You have to be an idea because it can grow. It can have a life of its own. It can have more. So if you just want to do this one thing, this one ad, and that's all you're ever going to do, you don't actually have to have an idea to be successful. If you want to be bigger than that, you need to have an idea. What, what's the term? Like it needs to have legs. Is that the right term? Am I saying that right? Like yeah. legs, but, but ideas grow, they get in your mind and they stick with you and you remember them a few years later, you're stuck with it. That's why you need the idea. If you want resonance, you need to have an idea. You can't just be a word. If that makes any 
sense. Oh, I cursed. God damn it. Oh, there we go. Now it's I not for need, kids. I'll well, bleep it out. We, well, now we need the sound effect. I yeah, think we, yeah. we need we need to have like the B2B swear jar. Yeah, I'll, I'll put I'll put a I'll put a dollar in the swear jar. Sorry. Shoot. There we go. <laughs> oh, there's number two. No, I said shoot. I said shoot. Oh, that's allowed. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, but to yeah. me, that's what it is. That's why you need an idea. I, I would agree. I, I would one, I would wholeheartedly agree Two, I, I think it's it's really interesting. You know how you said that about, you know, just the having to have that, that, that kind of stick to you know, the, with 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 everything that's out there. I heard a really fascinating stat yesterday. So, you know, you and I have been in, in media presentations for years and, and we, we've heard either five touches equals action or seven touches <laughs> equals action. And that there's this requirement for for repetition and exposure. Uh, so I was in a media presentation yesterday with, with one of my partners and he said the latest research that, that he had uncovered, um, was saying that with all of the media noise that's out there now that they estimate that you need like 22 touches to equal action. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane how much chaos is out there. Yeah. So it's, you know, so we're being bombarded with messages, thousands of marketing messages a day across a bajillion different channels if you want to have any, any ability to break through that, you know, it just feels like there, there has to be something that is going to be noticeable and relevant and interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know, from my point of view, something that's not going to waste somebody's time. No, exactly. Exactly. We don't have it. We don't have enough time to waste their time, you know? And, I love and, that. And, and the other thing is too, not only do I not want to waste the time of the person I'm putting the message in front of, we're in the B2B world. There's a whole machine behind it who needs to do sales and marketing and multiple stakeholders. And this, I can't waste the, as a creative, I can't waste their time either. So I need to have an idea that gets it across to get in front of the right person. So when the right person raises their hand or to get the right person to raise their hand so that I'm not filling the pipeline of the sales and marketing folks with garbage. I I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. I I think the other thing with it is you've got to have something that the other guys don't. You know, for, for all the talk about marketing technology, the fact is that when the MarTech arms race evens out and everybody's playing with the same toys, then nobody's got a real advantage, right? right? You know, 10 years ago when marketing automation and, and CRM started really picking up and, and started to drive a lot of the digital activity, folks who got out in front started to see a real edge, yeah. And now when everyone realizes that they have to have a tech stack, so they, they have to know where am, how am I enriching my data? How am I tying my automation into my CRM? Mm-hmm. How am I looking at retargeting folks? How am I looking at my, my, my search tactics and, and really pulling it all together? Well, great. You've got to assume that everybody else is doing what you're doing and that the big guys are doing it as well or better than you are. No, you bring up a really good point, Mike, because a lot of people, especially in the B2B world, forget that like the technology is not the answer. It's the thing that helps you get there. And that's why you need ideas. I mean, I can't tell you how many times clients have a full MarTech stack and like, but I, but I have the platform and it's not, I'm not getting traction. I'm like, cause you, you just have the way to get there. You know, look, I, I can get, into the cockpit of a Formula One racer. And I could probably even get around the track once. I'm not going to win a damn race, you know? And that's where we come in with our B2B creative ideas. It's like, great, you've got your Formula One racer. You've got your tech stack. It's all figured out. You've got your attribution. You've got your stuff. What are you going to put in front of the person to fill that machine? And without a great idea, without a killer idea, and a concept, it's not going to resonate. I don't care how good you, your tech stack could be perfect, which is impossible. No one has a perfect tech stack. But if you, if you did, without the idea, what's the point? Well, and what breaks my heart as well is how much money and effort is spent on, on the tech stack, but then ultimately doesn't actually get used. I, I read a Gartner study from a couple of years ago that said that, um, you know, for all the money that people spend on their tech, they only end up using if they're lucky, like half of the capabilities of what yep. they're paying for. So, you know, to, to use your, your example, it's like, you know, cool. You bought a McLaren race car, but you're only taking it out to about 35 on Sundays to drive to church. Like yeah. <laughs> it's not getting anywhere. The, the other thing is that, 
I'm, I'm sure you've seen this too, but uh, Ken Lyons and Wark have done a really good job doing research to, to, mm -hmm. to see what impact creative really has in market. So, you know, mm -hmm. for, if we're going to look at data, I, I read this great thing from a, a Ken and Wark study that said that um, when they looked at Ken winners before the Great Recession, so 96 mm -hmm. to 2008, they found that the highly awarded campaigns were 12 times as effective commercially as the non-awarded ones. Interesting. Which I thought was wild. And that, you know, they can tell based on the level of investment, um, they call them commitment levers, mm -hmm. you know, which ones are going to be more successful or not. So, mm -hmm. you know, the ones who spend more money, spend more time in market and proliferate their ideas across more channels tend to work better. You know, yeah. what a shocker. If you go out and say something interesting, and say it really well a number of times, maybe people will glom onto it. Yeah. I also feel like sometimes, you know, the reason a great idea or a concept is important in B2B is, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this, dude, but so many of our clients think they are beautiful and unique snowflakes. And they really, yes, they have their own benefits. They have their own, you know, things that are better than a competition. But at the end of the day, so many of the B2B companies are kind of the same and a lot of decisions get made on who do you trust and who had an idea that resonated with you because when you start to when you start to look at different B2B brands in a spreadsheet and start checking off boxes a lot of times not every time but a lot of times thing there is parity across the different brands. So that idea is the thing that works. And especially when we're dealing with a buying audience where the person making the decision is being influenced by someone else. The other person, that idea is what makes the guy go, dude, you know what we need? We need this thing. Go talk to the CFO and tell him we want this. And the CFO looks at the benefits and stuff like that and maybe doesn't need the idea. But without that great idea and that great concept, we're not getting that influencer audience to go talk to the person that's actually going to pull the trigger and buy the damn thing. Well, I, I think you make a really great point. It's, it's something I wanted to ask you about, which is you know, what's different about B2B creative and what's different about B2B? And I think you flagged a really good point, which is that it's a multifaceted yeah. decision. And typically because the stakes are really high, the, the journey to make that decision can be long. And there are lots of people involved in it. You know, If I really get turned on to Snickers by a commercial I saw from them, I don't need the opinion of three people about whether I'm going to pick up a Snickers bar when I'm in line at the grocery store. Right. And if I buy it and it turns out that I don't like the new peanut butter flavored Snickers, I'd rather get a Reese's, then, you know, I'm, I'm out a dollar. You know, yeah. I'm not out $100,000 or $100 million, depending on what a company is paying for some major software deployment. No, and that's important too, Mike. A lot of times in our world, the user of the product is not the purchaser of the product. Uh, and a lot of times those two people don't even communicate or, or interact, you know? It's like, so how do you, you know, we need to tell our story in multiple ways. It would be like saying, okay, well, you know, your kid wants that Snickers. He's got to now go convince mom to go buy that Snickers. So the thing that mom cares about for the Snicker is way different than what, you know, junior cares about. Junior's like, it looks delicious. I want to eat it. Mom's like, well, what's the nutritional value? And dad's just like, well, as long as it's cheap, I'll buy it. So, so you yeah, know, there's, I, you, there's the B2B of a Snickers. <laughs> no, we, the, that, that, is, that is a remarkable concept, a concept, the B2B of a Snickers. Yeah. Um, but I, but that shows again just how multifaceted it is that it could be the user is different from the the search the, the purchase decision maker is different from the person who potentially is actually paying for it. So and that's why we need that concept, and that's why that concept, Mike, sometimes has to be multifaceted to work with all those different people. Yeah, I, I think that's a great a great point. So how? How do you know if you have a good, strong, and viable concept for B two B? So your your team brings you a bunch of ideas, or you're you're leading a, you're leading a brainstorm, or you're leading some campaign work. What's the what's the measuring stick for you in terms of knowing that you've got either a viable idea, let alone one that's going to be really great and move the needle for your client? Well, I think the. <laughs> Again, this is probably verboten and most creators will be like, how dare you say that? 
I think the best concepts start by being informed by a really good brief. And I think that we as creatives, and I don't want a 75 page uh, PowerPoint that tells me every single thing about this thing and that, and, and Accenture gave me a 300 page deck and interviewed everybody and their mother. I want a brief. I want a brief that is simple, that I can understand, that tells me what we need to convey, who we're conveying it to. And I think that, how do I know that we have a great idea? One, if we start with a good brief, and then I can look at that concept and I can say, okay, I understand how this concept ladders back to this brief without being the brief visually, if that makes sense. Because I watch commercials all the time and I'm like, oh, the voiceover for this spot is just the brief. They're just reading the brief. <laughs> yeah, you've seen it, Mike. Come on. Yeah. It's like where they start like listing the people. It's like, whether you're this, 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 or this. I'm like, oh my God, that VO is just the brief. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, I think something that's really interesting, it's something that, I, that, that I share with my teams a lot. And when I'm, I'm working with strategists, I say to them as well, is that a great brief will get you to better creative because if well, the brief itself is insightful and clever and says something interesting and different, then our work as creatives is not necessarily to figure out mm -hmm. what to say. We need to figure out what's the most interesting and clever and meaningful way to say it. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, I think also, you know, kind of getting back to like spitting back the brief. I think one of the things that I look for in a big idea or a concept um, when I'm looking at B2B is it can't just be the the minds it has to be the hearts too all too often in b2b we go for what's the benefit you know service product give me all the things tell me it's all analytical it's like let me put a spreadsheet you know procurement needs this and it's like yeah sure that's there but you got to get the hearts and the minds because i also feel that when you're dealing with long sales cycles and massive budgets sometimes the person making the decision is like i got these two to choose from which one's not going to screw me if I give them $2 million? Like the hearts and the minds, there's an authenticity and a trust that I feel that B2B creative needs. Otherwise, it's just parroting back data and analytics and you know they're only doing the minds. And I think everybody forgets the hearts. And to me, if I see a concept that doesn't get the hearts and the minds, I'm like, something's missing. That's yeah, I, one of my things. Well, I agree. And I think that there are a lot of people who are starting to come around in this. There are a lot of folks in, in the Twitterverse and who are making the circuits for um, you know all, all of the big B2B conference events that are really starting to talk about injecting or re-injecting humanity and emotion into the work. And and that you know, doesn't I, just mean a stock, photo, a stock photo of a person. Right. Because I get that a lot too. We need humanity. I'm like, we don't just need a stock photo of a person. Humanity can come to life in different ways. <laughs> you, you can have an ad with absolutely no image whatsoever and feel that it's human if the words are right. Right. Because you need, you need I almost think like I'm kind of tired of like, and, and not, not like you said it, like I'm hearing that all the time. Every client's like, we need to put humanity in this. Like every brief is like, we need to. And I'm like, no, what you were asking for is empathy, not humanity. Because I feel like a lot of creatives are like, oh, humanity, you just want pictures of people. And I'm like, no, empathy. I want you to empathize and not sympathize. I want you to empathize and show feelings. That's what I mean by humanity, you know? Yeah. Well, I, we are not entirely rational human beings. I think, you know, what's different about- My mom B2B, would argue that I'm entirely irrational. I, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I think that what's- different maybe about B2B than consumer advertising is that there always has to be some sort of rational backstop, right? Yeah. You're never going to make a decision solely based on emotion right. where you might make an impulse buy in a consumer decision. hundred percent. Right? I think I you want have that, that luxury in consumer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I totally. want, I want that candy bar. I want to try that soda. I feel great about this t-shirt, but because there are so many other variables and there's so mm -hmm. many other dependencies there's at the end of the day, you have to do something that's going to fundamentally help a business and yep. businesses have rational goals and, and objectives that are going to be outlined on somebody's spreadsheet somewhere. But the, the emotional factor is very, very high. You know, I, yeah. I had a former colleague uh, had said something that I, I've always clung to since that, you know, it's not like when you go into the office, it's not like Mr. Rogers, right? I don't take off my, my, my human jacket and put on my business jacket. Right. Yes. 
you know, we are, I am the same person, no matter what sweater I'm wearing. And I don't change my sweaters based on whether I'm making a business decision or a consumer decision. Right. It just, the vectors that are all coming into it change a little bit. And so it's about getting that right fuel mixture and it's okay to be empathetic. I think mm -hmm. it's, you know, I think that you make a really I think great it's, point there. I think it's an imperative, to be honest. I, I think you have to be somewhat, some brands lend themselves and some campaigns lend themselves to more empathy than others. But I think if it lacks complete empathy, it's never going to resonate. Well, and I think empathy is also increasingly the the differentiator. So I, I, I love what you said a couple of really points ago that, you know, I, as much as, you know, the tech arms race is commoditizing what marketers can do, th there's a similar thing happening where every time out of the gate, you're not going to invent a better mousetrap. And as, yeah. the, and as the cloud and as SaaS models continue to make, get things to be more similar, it's interesting that it feels like a lot of B2B offerings now because they're getting similar, you know, they're not as commoditized as, you know, spaghetti sauce or, or soft drinks yeah. or toothpaste. But when you look at, you know, how, how do Coke and Pepsi and 7-Up and Sprite try and win the Cola Wars? They try and win on emotional, on emotional aspects and they try and win on cultural aspects or they try to own, they own a vibe. Yeah, a right? vibe. That's a really good point. Look at insurance. Like every insurance company tries to out, quirk each other and you know obviously it works it's, i love insurance you know, as an yeah. example i think insurance is an amazing example you know they, that's one where you know probably you know back in the day you, you know and if you, if you think back you know 20 years ago into insurance advertising it was very kind of schmaltzy and everything was all about like who are you thinking about and what's the financial implications and like nowadays it's like which animal do you like better yeah, I mean, Geico really broke the mold yeah. by trying to crack in and say, look, we're going to be memorable and we're going to deliver value along the way. Yep. And then that broke it open for State Farm, Allstate, Farmers, now Liberty Mutual. They've all found ways to find themselves to make themselves clever and relevant to people because, you know, most people don't think about insurance until they need it. Right. So they found they're finding ways to make emotional connections that ultimately then build some. Well, sort and of that's what is that emotional connection is then what sends me down the path of looking at the rational being like, well, is it cheaper? Is it better? Let me actually look into that, you right. know, but it was like, but it was that idea that stuck in your head that resonated, that made you remember the damn lizard that later on, you're like, oh, you know what? I should actually take a look and see if I can save a buck or two, you yeah. know? I mean, that's, that's where it works. And like, you know, we're doing the same thing. We're just doing it for enterprise software or industrial companies. And, you know, yeah. we're, we're doing, we're, we're, we're using those same techniques. And that's why I think like, that's where I meant like, you know, creativity is creativity and whether we're doing B2B or B2C that it's the same kind of techniques of, of where to go. Although I will say you said before, like if you could tell it, you could sell it. Like I, I got into advertising because I didn't want to be a salesman. Little did I know that the higher up I'd go in my career, all I would do is sell like my uh, God. Um, how I, did that happen? <laughs> yeah. I, I, have you seen the uh, there there's a, an infographic that oh, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't even call it an infographic. It's, it's, it's more just a clever cartoon that shows the evolution of man. Yeah. Um, except that with the evolution of man, it shows the software changing and the higher yeah, you like go. We just in live title. in PowerPoint now. Yeah. It's you, you, you go from being in your design software to then yeah. moving into emails and spreadsheets until finally yeah. um, that's, that's all you're in. Yeah. It's pretty, yeah, you, uh, just, you come full circle. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm there. Well, speaking of I, I, you, the master of segues, speaking of coming full circle, you know, the, the crux of what we wanted to look at here was then how, how do we come up with great ideas? So everybody's going to have a different process and there are different ways to, to for, for everybody to be successful. But, you know, if we're going to leave, if we're going to leave our valiant listeners who hopefully didn't leave us when we were quoting back to the future and talking about our favorite Steven Seagal films, um, Above the Law. Above the Law is my favorite Steven Seagal film. I'm just putting it out there. Above the Law is a solid Steven yes, Seagal entry in the canon. And that was like Steven Seagal early, like doing weird semi-jujitsu, semi-aikido, whatever he was doing. He wasn't like overly large at that point. Yeah, that was Steven Seagal all right.
Well, anyway. I mean, Steven, Steven Seagal, you know, Steven Seagal doing Die Hard on an airplane is executive decision, which is also an excellent yes. film. Yes, it is. But I mean, Steven Seagal is practically a ninja. So let's let's just talk about that, because look, I mean, you and I look, let's just get right to it. Like, yeah, that was how we'd start. We were creative partners. We'd do it. We'd get in a room. We're like, we got to do this thing. What was our go to, Mike? I mean, where did we always start? Like, we say, ninjas. let's start with ninjas. How about it's like people listening are like, what are you talking about? And the idea is that's where we'd go. We'd be like, let's get it out there. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. It's never going to work. But if we were going to put ninjas in this ad, how would it work? And then we do that. It gets our juices flowing. We throw it away. And then we go from there. We start with ninjas. And sometimes the ninjas got to stay. Yeah. And if, if not ninjas, pirates. Pirates, zombies. Zombies was another one. Pirates, zombies was another good backup. But yeah, yeah I, I think it's. What's how the ridiculous? Far, yeah, how far out there can you push this thing and then rein yourself back in? But don't don't start in a, such a small place that things are limited. You know, mm -hmm. the, the the realm of creativity is so large, and if you're looking to be different, push yourself to be as different as possible. So I think so. Yeah, so I. You'd be surprised about. what you can sell. I mean, look at what we've sold over the years. I mean, people in animal costumes for a payment processor. What was that about? <laughs> yeah, I, we've done some weird ones, but I, I think start starting with ninjas, starting yeah. with talking animals, starting with whatever that crazy thing is, I think is always a great place to just stimulate thinking about something that's going to be different. I think also the concept in room needs to be a safe space. And I don't mean a safe space like people think about it now, but like there's no bad ideas. You know, it's a it's like improv. It's a yes. And it's like, yep. I mean, the reason we call this podcast, I swear I'm not crazy, is how many times would both of you be like, look, look, I, I know this sounds crazy, but hear me out. I swear I'm not crazy. But what about this? And then you'd say it. And the other person has to be like, you got to run with it until you're like, all right, this isn't working. You know, I always feel like those ideas flow and they come out like, where do you get the ideas? It's like, it's yes. And, yeah, and then you I, pile I, on and you pile on the, 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 the four most powerful words I, I think in, in terms of, of coming up with ideas are yes. And so building on someone else's idea and what if, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What you if? know, I, I, I think what every concepting session I've ever been in or any time that we've talked about work and look to go someplace else, Whenever someone gets an idea, no matter how crazy, and they may say, just as you said, look, I swear I'm not crazy, but what if there was a talking gecko because it sounds like Geico? Yeah. And the other thing you need to do too is not, not worry about the tactical. What happens too is we get this crazy idea and you shut it down immediately because like, oh, we don't have the budget for that. We don't do it. Doesn't matter. That's not what we're talking about because we're probably not going to do that crazy idea, but it's going to lead to something else. Don't worry about the tactics while you're doing the idea. Come up with the idea and the concept and then figure out the tactics. Don't awfulize. I love the term awfulizing. Um, you know, before, well, the client doesn't have the money. We can't do this. We can't do that. It's like, it doesn't matter. Right now, it's okay to be crazy. We'll figure out later if we can tactically execute it or not. Well, and you got to get the, you know, you got to flush it out of your system too. Like yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I'd, I'd say nine times out of 10 working on a creative project, the stuff that you come up on the first day is garbage. Oh yeah. You know, maybe there's one gem and I've, I've definitely had that. I think we've had that where you, know, you kind of just nail something and it's, oh, something, yeah. it's usually first the, time. Usually it's the very first idea, right? Yep. It's usually like right after ninjas, we say what the thing is going to be, mm -hmm. but I feel like the majority of the time and it's natural proven psychology you have to get all of that out. You got to go sleep on it. Let your subconscious work on it. Go have a snack, exercise, pick it up the next day after you've had your brain sit on it. Or sometimes I like getting a brief and then I don't touch it for two days. Yeah. Right. I, it's like, I if I know that the, if I know that the internal is going to mm -hmm. be at the end of the week, I take the brief. I don't do anything else with it. And then yeah. I come back to it with a little bit of pressure, knowing that I have the deadline and having let my brain just kind of ruminate and then I see what happens and take a day to get the junk out and then second day refine anything that's there and add to it and then you're ready to see what the rest of the team I, has. I think I think it's also important and this isn't necessarily about creative but it, it, maybe it is I don't know anyway just hear me out on this I swear I'm not crazy but um, like for people like me and you where we are in a position I feel like our jobs are not to 
have the ideas. I mean, they are, and they're not. It's to make the ideas of our team better and to grow them. And I think all too often ego plays a big part of concepting. Mm -hmm. And I think you need to forget it's not your idea. It doesn't matter whose idea it is. It's the idea for the client. And as chief creative officers and as ECDs and CDs and GCDs or whatever the hell titles we all have, it's like, don't be precious and need to own the idea. The idea, if you can own the idea, it's not good enough. The idea has to be bigger than you. You know, and, and, and I feel like that's what it is. And it doesn't matter if the most junior person, like we had this thing that was a phenomenal idea for a big financial client at my last job. And it was the account person that said one thing. And we were all like, what did you just say? <laughs> and they said it again, I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. She's like, really? I'm like, oh yeah, that's what it is. And it's like, it doesn't matter where it comes from. And what she said eventually became something different and tactically, but it was like, you know, it, it's the idea, you'll know it because it's going to be bigger than you. You are not the idea. So ego has to be left aside. I think that's super important with this stuff. Just for the best creatives that I've worked with don't have egos like that, especially like, you know, my previous job at Edelman, like some of the senior creatives were just the most humble people I ever worked with. And, and it was just, especially the one I reported directly to in my last, he was just amazing. And it was just like, and that was a big part of it. Like there was no ego. And it was like, he really made everyone under him better. And I think that's what our job is. And that's what it is. These ideas are bigger than us, if that makes any sense. Oh, it totally does. And I think it goes back to your, your comment about creating a safe space. It's, it goes back to yes. And I, I feel like mm -hmm. our job as creative leaders is not to say no. Our job is to say yes. Right. We have plenty you know, of people in the agency that are going to say no. We should be the ones saying no. Well, and there are and there are plenty of clients who are inevitably going to say no to things, and they should. Inevitably, we have to sell them one thing that they're going to go with. So we we know that if we give them three ideas, they're we are going to tell them and ask them to please say no to two of them. So right. give them as many things as possible that they they feel like they want to and need to say yes to. Right. Um, and I would encourage the same thing of, of anyone who's developing ideas and bringing them to a creative director or bringing them to a teammate um, and to creative directors who are, are evaluating work. Find ways to say yes. I, you know, I say all the time, if you're scaring me a little bit, it's probably something good, you right. know, like that. I, Ooh, that I have a, makes me a little uncomfortable in a good way. That's probably a good thing. Look, if it makes you uncomfortable in a bad way, we all know those are bad ideas. But, exactly. but a little discomfort is good. You know, the, that tension, great ideas have a little bit of tension in them too. So all the strategists, if any of them are listening, yes, we listen to you. Like, what is that tension point that we want to like pick at a little bit for that great idea? And I think sometimes that with that... You know, for as much as we, you know, again, for the, for the, for the strategists, you know, all two of you that are listening at this point, um, you know, sometimes you have to ignore the brief too. Oh yeah. You know, I think what's really interesting is some of the best work, it, it, it fulfills the brief in that it, it solves the business challenge, but sometimes the answer is not providing what was asked for, right? You yeah. know, it's like when you go to a really great restaurant and, and you say, I, 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 I think I'd really like a burger and you describe what you want with the burger and the chef goes, no, what you really want is a meatloaf and you get the most amazing meatloaf you've ever eaten. And, and I'll, I'll give you a solid B2B example. So mm -hmm. the, the state streets fearless girl, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the brief was not come back to us with a bronze statue. That's going to, you know, challenge right. the national culture and become a fixture as a tourist attraction for people who come to New York for years to come. Mm -hmm. The brief was, we need to find a way to promote some institutional investment products that are focused on female leadership. Right. And hats off, you know, to, to the team at McCann that said, you don't need an ad campaign. You don't need a social campaign. You don't need an influencer campaign. You don't need a PR campaign. You need a three foot bronze statue of a little girl standing up to the bull on wall street. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's, that's a really important thing where, you know, although I would say I'll make you a bet at the end of the day, what they did, did hit the brief. You, you know exactly. what I mean? And that's what, yeah. so what Mike is saying here, at least what I'm taking away is like, 
yeah, you know, you start, you got to start with a really good brief. So you know what you're supposed to accomplish. Maybe you throw that brief away while you're coming up with ideas, but at the end of the day, you still make sure that that idea is going to satisfy at least the spirit of the brief. Yeah. Well, again, full circle moments. It's what you said earlier. It's about the concept, not the tactic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What is the concept? The concept is to get people talking. Okay. You know, how are we going to get them talking? You know, then we come up with tactics that do it. You know, what do we want to do conceptually? We want to change the opinion of X. Great. Maybe we do that through social. Maybe we do that. through. Maybe we don't do it through anything that has anything to do with advertising at all. Okay. You know, I mean, I think that's the important thing. You just have to have an idea and not be afraid to express it. That's what I would say. Unless your creative director is a tyrant, then just find a different place to work. <laughs> just, just that. Yeah, you know, there's that. No, there's but that. I think, I think it's, I think it's really true. I mean, that's that's where it is. You know, in in our time and in, in our years working together, we would always do that. It's like, what is something that is so crazy and out there that they'll never go for it? And sometimes I feel like uh, one of the people I used to work for said, "He's just let's make the box smaller. So start really big." Start really big. Let's start with ninjas. And how do we make the box smaller and make the box smaller and make the box smaller until we get to like, that's it. What yep. is that thing? You and know? sometimes and- that thing is so crazy that they have to say yes. Right. Sometimes it's people in animal costumes on a soundstage in Brooklyn for six days. And that is a story for another for another episode. episode. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'll, I think that's a great point to pull this one to a close and say, uh, John, thank you. This has been super fun. Uh, I'm glad we're doing this. I'm looking forward to recording more of these and putting them out into the universe um, so that hopefully others can join our conversation on all things wild and wonderful about B2B creative. Yeah, as we, we say, this is the B2B creative podcast where we probably only spent about 40% of the time talking about B2B creative. So that's pretty much par for the course with us. Uh, hey, at least when, we stayed on topic that much. But we had strong segues. We, we did have good, strong We segues. had good pop culture references. Yes. We only dropped one F-bomb. I did only drop one F-bomb and we know that I'm the one that's going to curse. So I apologize. Yes. So it's, you know, I, I'd, I'd say all in all that... Yeah. Uh, we have a solid concept here, John. I think so. But please, if you like what we're saying, please, you know, follow our podcast, subscribe, whatever the right the right terminology is, depending on what uh what I believe platform they say you're, you're supposed to smash that like button. And is, is uh, that what it is? Yeah, I hear about ringing subscribe. the bell and smashing the button. Yeah, it don't uh, smash anything. Nobody needs to smash anything. You can gently click. It's fine. But seriously, we're going to be doing a bunch of these. If you like what we're doing, listen. If you don't like what we're doing, don't listen. It's up to you. It's a free country. <laughs> But we do hope you'll listen. And we hope in, you listen. And in, in episodes to come, as we mentioned at the outset, we're going to have other uh, B2B creative leaders, um, agency leaders, in-house uh, folks here in the U.S. alongside us, as well as some of our global colleagues stretching out into uh, Europe and into the, the, the great white north of Canada. Um, and we'll be putting these out you know, on a fairly regular basis. So stay tuned. Keep listening on in. And... Uh, We swear we're not crazy. Thank you for listening. Maybe a little crazy. Thanks for listening. Bye.